Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, The Vow. Wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong, lasting marriage. Whether you hope to get married someday or you've already tied the knot, discover what the vow can mean for the future. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, this week we entered into the month of February. It's a month that the world seems to associate with love, and I think that's all because of Valentine's Day. And this month we're going to do a series. It's called The Vow. And during this series, we will look at the vows that make marriages strong. As one person has written, wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong and lasting marriage. So if you're married or if you hope to be married, the specific vows that you make on your wedding day have implications for how you will live your life, how you'll live out those vows. And the Bible speaks to those implications, which are vows in themselves. So during this series, we're going to look at those vows and what they mean for us. I would also uh, want to share this with you. During this month, we're launching a marriage course that I would recommend for all couples, whether you're engaged, you're newlyweds, or you've been married for a while, because I think you will learn better how to communicate just by doing that together. I think it will bless your relationship. So I would encourage you, if you'd like to join that class, it's going to begin next Sunday. You can find out more information in our cafe after the service. You can find books there as well as if you're online, you can go and you can sign up for that class. We would encourage you to do so to bless your marriage relationship. Now, let me say this. If you're single and you think, oh, wow, this is not going to be for me, um, don't tune out. Because I believe that as you hear these scriptures unpacked, you're going to get information that's going to bless your relationships that are with friends and particularly with your relationship with God. So uh, uh, I would encourage you to, to bear with us during this series. So let me just start with a prayer. Father, as you have brought us here today to honor you and to worship you, we're going to open up your word, and we ask that you would speak to us, that you would give us ears to hear, and then, Lord, give us faith to apply what we hear. So speak to us, in Jesus' name, amen. As a pastor for 36 years, I've had the honor to officiate at almost 70 weddings. And in those wedding services, I've asked each man and each woman several questions before we get to the vows that they're going to make. I ask them if they will commit to live in the holy bond of marriage because Scripture tells us that marriage is a holy commitment and a holy relationship. And I ask them if they will love, honor, and care for their spouse under all conditions and circumstances of life and through the grace of God. Be a faithful Christian spouse to the other one as long as they both shall live. Now, of course, they must answer yes to those questions. And then we get to the vows. And even if they have written their own vows, I still have them make these vows to their spouse-to-be that day. 
stating, beginning by stating their own name, they say to their spouse-to-be these vows. And we'll start with the man, and, and they're identical, but I'm going to share them both with you. I take you to be my husband, and I do promise and covenant to be your loving and faithful wife for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, so long as we both shall live. And then I turn to the woman and ask her to make the same vow to her husband-to-be. I take you to, excuse me, I've reversed that, haven't I? So, I take you to be my wife, and I do promise and covenant to be your loving and faithful husband, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, so long as we both shall live. So those are the official vows that you hear at a wedding service. Those vows have implications. Embedded in the official marriage vows is a vow to prioritize each other, a vow to pursue one another, a vow to be partners in all of life, and a vow to maintain purity in life and in one's marriage. So today we're going to look at the vow of priority. And when it comes to marriage, God makes it clear in the Bible that we're supposed to do something specific. We're supposed to leave and cleave. Now, if you're wondering what I mean by leave and cleave, those words come from the King James Version of Scripture from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where we see God establishing what theologians call the institution of marriage by saying this, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So there you see it, leave and cleave. Now, a more modern translation puts it in today's language. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And that same implication goes for women, too, that they leave their parents, and they're joined to their husband, and the two become one. So when a man and a woman get married, they are vowing to leave their parents and make each other their most important human being in their life for the rest of their life. Each is replacing their, their primary commitment they had with their parents, and they're making a, a new commitment to one another, a, a relationship commitment that is even more important than their relationship commitment to their mommies and to their daddies. Um, the Hebrew word that we translate as leave can literally be translated as relinquish, all right? So when you get married, you are relinquishing your commitment to your parents to make a commitment to your spouse. Now, now please understand me. You're not doing away with your relationships with your mom and dad, but you are establishing a new priority of relationships. One spouse is now the primary relationship, and it must remain that way. It doesn't mean that you end your relationship with your parents, not at all. In fact, the Bible's very clear, isn't it? The Bible says that we're supposed to honor our father and our mother. And that command doesn't end when we get married. So even when we leave our parents for our spouse, we're still commanded to honor our parents. But when you, when you get married... You leave them, and now you cleave to them, or you're, you're joined together to your spouse. The, the Hebrew word for cleave means to 
adhere. That, that means in marriage you're, you're glued together, all right? Uh, in a marriage relationship, you're supposed to be glued together so that nothing comes between you and your relationship. And therefore, there needs to be a healthy boundary that you create so that your spouse is the number one relationship in your life for your parents or, or any other relationship. And with that in mind, then it becomes both the husband's and the wife's roles to, to maintain a healthy boundary to make sure that they prioritize one another. Now, whether it's been in a make-believe movie or, or someone that we know in real life, we've all seen the difficulty that arises when a parent interferes in their children's marriage. Uh, when a couple doesn't create a boundary around the marriage, then parents or others can penetrate that relationship and cause relationship problems. And that boundary needs to be guarded, but it needs to be guarded with love and care toward those who would want to penetrate that boundary. Uh, some of the obvious ways that those boundaries get challenged are around expectations. Maybe some of you have experienced this when you got married because sometimes parents have all kinds of expectations about what will happen with their children even after they got married. So, for instance, where you're going to spend the holidays with whose family? Or maybe your family has a, a, a summer vacation tradition and now all of a sudden that you're married, you and your new spouse are expected to participate. The other thing that sometimes happens is gifts come, but they have invisible strings attached to them that have all kinds of expectations. So the bottom line is that, that Scripture tells us that we're supposed to leave and cleave. We're supposed to leave our parents. We're supposed to cleave to our spouse. We're supposed to make them the number one relationship in our lives. And that's vitally important for the health and the future of every marriage. Now, those two steps are essential. Uh, they are uh, essential to the big idea of marriage. And that big idea that we're talking about today is that we're going to prioritize one another. So let me talk about two important ways that we prioritize one another in marriage. The first way we prioritize each other is with our actions. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul gives us instructions about how to be married, and he begins that section of Scripture with this command, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Did you ever think about that? That in a marriage relationship, you submit to your spouse out of reverence to Christ, the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband. It is something that we do out of our reverence for our Lord and our Savior. That's a powerful command that's essential for us to take to heart in our marriage. Another Bible translation says it this way, which maybe helps us understand what it means to submit to one another. It's, this translation says, honor Christ and put others first. 
Now, that same translation goes on to explain what it looks like to make one's spouse the number one priority. It says this, wives should always put their husbands first as the church puts Christ first. And a husband should love his wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. This puts it in a way that, that everyone can understand. It's, it's sacrificing one's self as the primary person in the relationship and putting the spouse ahead of themselves. It's a beautiful picture that Paul has been inspired by the Holy Spirit to put together of a marriage relationship models the relationship between the church, which is the bride of Christ, and Christ himself, the bridegroom. And it's a powerful illustration of the spiritual dynamics of what Christ sees if you're able to be in a marriage relationship. Not surprisingly, when we look at what this says to us about Scripture, we understand that even secular research supports this idea that Scripture gives us of putting one another first. Researchers from the University of Georgia interviewed almost 500 couples and uh, married individuals, I mean, on their relationship satisfaction, covering everything from communication habits to finances. And they found that the most consistent, significant predictor of happy marriages was whether one's spouse expressed gratitude. And the, one of the co-authors said this, feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage, about how committed you are to it, and about how you believe it will last. And so knowing that you are appreciated and that your spouse values is recognizing that your spouse has put you in a primary spot. They've made you a priority in the marriage. In his book, Marriage on the Rock, Pastor Jimmy Evans emphasizes that to prioritize your spouse, your actions need to accompany your words. He writes, although verbalizing love and affirmation for God and for others is important, words will not be enough to necessarily convince people if you love, if you do what is right in prioritizing your life around them and communicating that through actions if you do not act on your convictions, he writes, words will be of little use. And then he goes on to illustrate what he means by saying this. One way to understand the necessity of protecting priorities is to look at your time and energy and how you use it with your spouse and compare this illustration of time and energy to how we relate to money. He says, because it's easy to see that money is a limited asset. You can easily understand that you must learn to budget it if you want to get the best and most necessary use from your money. So if some money is left after the necessities are taken care of, you can afford some luxuries. Likewise, if you get in a pinch financially, the first thing you do is cut down on luxuries and other non-essentials. It's exactly the same with time and energy. It would be foolish to spend all of your money on luxuries and non-essentials, leaving nothing for the rent or the food. When the landlord comes to collect, how do you think he would respond to the news that you spent the rent money on a vacation? Do you think he would accept it if you said, you know, I don't 
ever pay you much money, but I'm really a good tenant. Of course the landlord wouldn't. Time and energy also must be budgeted just in the same way. We need to budget our time and energy in our relationship with our spouse so that they understand that they are a priority. Scripture reminds us of this importance of loving others with our actions when it says this, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So in marriage, making our spouse a priority with the way we make time to be with them and the way we save our emotional energy to be present with them are important actions that demonstrate their priority to us. One other insight from Pastor Jimmy is the concept of what he calls legitimate jealousy when he talks about the vow of priority. He points out that God says in the Bible, do not worship any other gods, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. So God is jealous for our attention, for us to give him our emotional energy and our, and our presence with him through our actions, our attention. And this type of jealousy isn't wrong. It's not sinful. It's legitimate jealousy. And so Evans goes on to say that one of the greatest certainties in life is that at some point in marriage, you will feel legitimate jealousy if your spouse is not giving you the attention that you need, that priority. So ignoring our spouse because we work all day and then come home from work and do more work at home doesn't prioritize time for them. Scheduling all of our free time for friends and hobbies but not with our spouse is not making them a priority. So it would be right for our spouses to be jealous of our time and attention. Our spouse should be the most important person in our lives. And so it's important that we communicate about those use of free time and, and how we're going to spend it and, and communicate well around those areas so that we can live in harmony and understand that there's no rival in our relationship to who's the priority. So we prioritize each other with our actions, but we also, we do prioritize one another with our words. Prioritizing our spouse will obviously mean that we communicate with them, that we share our thoughts and our feelings by talking with our spouses about what's going on with us. We prioritize them by letting them into our mental and emotional world. We know we all know that communicating with our spouses and using our words to show our love for them is an important part of prioritizing that relationship and something that we need to do and, and recognize that we are investing in our relationship. One of the things that I was convicted of years ago as a young pastor was, I know that even in the fact that I'm a pastor and doing ministry, that at the end of my life, the, the people who are going to be the most upset at my funeral will be my wife and my family. And so I need to invest in that relationship above all other relationships with both my words and my actions. Now, there's another area which maybe is a little less looked at, but I believe it's important, and it's an important way that we demonstrate love 
to our spouses with our words. And it's this area about how we speak about our spouse when they're not around us. The Bible tells us this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may, be, may benefit those who listen. So there's this scriptural command that we're supposed to use our words to build up others. My guess is we've all experienced a time when someone started talking about their spouse around us when they weren't present in less than glowing terms. They may have said disrespectful things about their spouse or they may have complained about their spouse or, or worse, they may have aired their spouse's dirty laundry. I remember early in our married life being shocked to hear someone talk with such contempt about their spouse and I wondered why in the world they were telling other people these things and I wondered how in the world that their marriage would survive when one spouse felt, felt that way about the other spouse. And I remember at that moment resolving that I'm never going to do that because I want to esteem my wife to her face, but I also want to esteem her when she's not around. Now, the reality is this. No marriage, no relationship is perfect, but if we're going to walk through those difficult times, we need to do that with one another. We need to prioritize that, and we need to recognize that how we speak to one another demonstrates that priority. How we care for them demonstrates, how we care for them with our words demonstrates their priority to us, even when we have to work through the inevitable disagreements. The reality is that no relationship will be perfect. In fact, uh, I do premarital counseling for every couple that I marry, and one of the things I, I talk about is the fact that we need to learn how to have a good argument, a good fight, because every relationship is going to have disagreements. But you've got to do it in a way that does not destroy the other person's self-esteem and doesn't damage the relationship. We have to learn to be able to talk through difficult things and difficult topics and disagreements in a way that don't destroy the other person. And that's one of the ways that we prioritize them. We need to use our words to build up our spouse when we're with them, but also to esteem them when they're not around. So let me bring this to a close. When a couple gets married, they make vows to one another. They're making more than just a promise. They're making a, a sacred three-way covenant. It's three ways because the vows are being made to each other, but both spouses are also making vows to God. Covenants. Covenants are important. Wedding vows are covenant. They're covenants to God and to each other. And the wedding vows that one makes on their wedding day have some embedded 
commitments, embedded vows that are implied that you're making to your spouse. And no one would deny that you're not making that. You wouldn't say, I'm not making my spouse a priority. You are. And if we're going to get the most out of that relationship, we have to do that. And we need to communicate with our spouse and build them up with our words. We need to esteem them and make them a priority with the things that we share with them and and how we share our feelings and our our emotions with them. And we also need to make them a priority in how we spend our time. For those of you who are married, it's very possible that you've realized that you have some work to do in prioritizing your spouse. I want to encourage you to take that as a nudge. Maybe it's even an opportunity to have a conversation today before the day is over about this whole idea of making one another priority. This is also a good time, as I said earlier, for you to think about taking that marriage course that's going to begin next week. Now, for those of you who are hoping to be married, uh, know that now you know what it, you need to do, what you need to focus on in marriage. And over the next couple of weeks, you'll see some more things. Uh, for those of you who are single, though, as I said, I, I hope that you'll continue to stay with us during this series, regardless of uh, whether you ever think you're going to get married or not. Because the reality is, is a lot of these relationship commitments that we're talking about are significant in our relationship with God, as well as are significant with the most important people in our lives that, that we're never going to pursue in marriage. It's just important relationship skills and commitment. So... I do want to close in prayer for all of us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up for our final song. And as I close in prayer, I'm going to begin with a a time of silent prayer just for you to talk to God if you're married about your priority in relationship. And if you're not married, just talk talk to God about your priority and your relationship to Him. And then I'm going to close us. So if you would, bow your heads and let's just talk to God about our commitment to Him and to our spouse. God, we want to take every promise, every commitment, every vow we make seriously. Obviously, our commitment, our covenant to be your follower is primary for every single one of us. But if we're married, we also want to take that vow, that commitment, that covenant we've made with you and our spouse seriously. So Lord, help us always make that relationship if we're married a priority let us always make our relationship with you our utmost priority and help us live out those priorities to you we pray this in jesus name amen